On this episode of the podcast, I speak with Nancy Wachowicz. Nancy is a lecturer of social anthropology at the University of Aberdeen in Aberdeen, Scotland, as well as a co-investigator on the Mobilizing Inuit Cultural Heritage Project. We have a very interesting and engaging discussion about her work with the Mitimali Karnate Mitsuktui Collective, which is a group of women sewers based in Pond Inlet, Nunavut. To watch the recordings discussed in the episode, please click on the Vimeo or Facebook links attached to this episode. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the episode. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, sure, I'm Nancy Wachowicz. I'm a lecturer in social anthropology, and I'm at the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. How did you get to become a professor? And, and uh, why social anthropology? I actually was, I was in, I was in education, I was in uh, criminology, I was in sociology, um, and then I eventually ended up in anthropology. Took a year off in the middle of undergrad, so, so I've drifted around a little bit. Um, and, uh, and then in my final year of undergrad, I started taking courses at the University of Alberta in uh, Arctic anthropology and um, became captivated by the colonial history of the region and um and wanted to read more so I, I went into my master's i think that was in about 1990 and um was able to go up to the arctic the following summer and then the summer after that so that um that kept me in anthropology um but i then i took some time off after my master's and worked for the royal commission on aboriginal peoples which got me back up to pond inlet um working with on two different projects, uh, Three Generation Life History with um, Apia Agalacti Awa and Rhoda Katsak and Sandra Katsak, now Omic, and, uh, and another uh, women's governance project. These were two sort of big projects that were being run by the Royal Commission, multi-nation projects. This was 1992, three, four, five-ish, let me think. Yeah, and... Um, um, so then I was back and forth from Pond Inlet and Edmonton, where I was living at the time. Um, but I hadn't really planned to be an academic at all. And, uh, but I guess it was working on those projects and, and my master's that, that um, inspired me to carry on and to, to apply to go to a PhD program, um, mostly to learn more about the Arctic history, I guess Inuit cultural history. Um, I wanted to learn Inuktitut to do better. So I, I just felt I had more to learn. So I, I went back into um, my PhD at UBC and was there for six years. And so that's, during that time, I, I finished uh, the three-generation life history. We made it into the a book, Sakiuk. And, um, and then I also did my PhD research, um, not this time in Pond Inlet, but in Iglulik, which was on another topic to do with traditions. So, so that, then I scored a job in Scotland. So I, I came here. But it was never really a, a, a long-term plan to be a professor. I just um, sort of followed whatever route it took. So I'm, I've been here, though, for 17 years. And uh, it's, it's been good. In a lot of ways, it's allowed me to get back up north for field trips and, uh, and you know, in intermittent stays. And, uh, and it's allowed me to teach anthropology. So I teach first years, which is my favorite course. And then I teach how to write ethnographically, and I teach methods and so I'm able to address things like indigenous rights and indigenous issues to, to um, younger students um, in quite clear manners hopefully 
uh, and then also teach ethics and methods and that sort of thing, and grad students as well. So it's been, it's been good. So that's how I ended up here. Interesting. <laughs> so you've had a, you've had a, a yeah. uh, and the, the, I, I don't mean to use uh, an adjective in terms of dating you, but you've had a, a long research history and, and experience working in the Arctic and working with Inuit then. I guess so. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think about 25 years, 26 years, um, starting out in Pond Inlet and then in, um, then in Igloolik and then more recently back to Pond Inlet again and Iqaluit sometimes with like Inuktitut courses and things like that. So, um, so, so yeah, <laughs> I know time flies. You, you notice, <laughs> you notice it when, um, like I'm working with Sheila Katzak now, and uh, Sheila's a grandma, but I knew her when she was a kid, like an eight-year-old, seven-year-old, six-year-old, which is kind of freaky. And, and, but you don't notice it until you see the kids, right? And then you realize, oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. So. so you're also a collaborator on the Mobilizing Inuit Cultural Heritage Project, um, and you do a, you've been working in Pond Inlet on a, with the with a group of women who are working on seal skins. How did that project come about? Well, it, I guess it began, I met Anna Hudson at a, at a conference and, uh, and we'd had a series of talks and then she, when she was putting together the mobilizing Inuit cultural heritage, she, uh, we had another series of discussions about it. And um, I guess that I was, um, enthusiastic about the idea of working with local heritage projects and thinking about the ways in which heritage is constructed in settlements. And, and it's not just heritage, I guess it's also sort of local aesthetics and, and local arts projects and, and women's arts projects. And, and uh, uh, what I noticed from my time in Inuit settlements is um, I guess I've never felt more poorly dressed <laughs> in my life than when I've been in, Ar in the Arctic. <laughs> Not that I dress that great right now, but but uh, but whenever I've been up north, I'm just I've got all the wrong clothes on. I don't have nice mitts or nice <laughs> boots, or you know, I, I my 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 gown feels all wrong. There's no fur trim. Like I I, yeah. I feel pretty scruffy up there, you know, and 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 it's always wrong, right? Not that it matters, but it but it you know, but I've noticed it, and and uh, I've always um, admired everybody's um, clothing, and and when I was in Igloolik in particular for that year, I um. I worked with Leah Otak, who who was uh, who um, was very engaged in the revitalization of skin sewing, caribou skin sewing, seal skin sewing, and worked with women's groups. And I, I was part of women's sewing workshops there through Leah, and um, and so we talked a lot for, about you know stitches and designs from different settlements, and you know what a pointy hood versus a rounded hood, and 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 so I started to get an eye for a better eye through that time of the aesthetics of the various different designs and patterns and things. So when I had those, when, when Anna and I were talking about aesthetics and heritage and arts programs, I, all I could think about were women's arts and women's sewing and, and, um, and, and, you know, the elaborate designs and the ways in which the fur is articulated and the little, you know, the grain of the fur and, Everyone, you know, the the tininess of women's stitches and the pleats and the tucks and everything. And so, I, I I thought if there was a way that we could we could look at heritage through the eyes of of sort of everyday local artists, right? Mothers, people who work in the schools, right? Um, grandmothers and who who don't normally um, 
you know, make it into galleries and museums and and big arts events, but but really could, you know, and and should. So so um so so from that, I I called up two of my friends um in Pond Inlet to see if they thought that that was possible, and and uh, uh, Leah Kipami and then also Sheila, and then we began a whole series of discussions about what it might be like, like whether we would um like you know, document existing garments, right? Asking people to pull out their garments and, and, uh, or else, um, you know, looking at skills. And so, so what we thought would be the most useful was for people to, to, um, for, for, for us to somehow document the makings of particular garments or the makings of like, you know, a part of a garment or a skit or a boot or a mitten or something like that. So, so it became documenting not the objects themselves, but actually the skills. So then it, then we, it took, goodness, it was, must have been months and months of mostly Facebook messaging and emailing between Sheila and I trying to figure out how we would do this, which was through 2014, and then we had our first recording session in 2015. So that was, then we've called them, um, it's the Mitimatelik Arnet Mixtuit Collective, um, and we have, um, we call it MANC, M-A-N-C, um, and we have the first one, the second one, and the third one so far. So, uh, did the collective exist before the project? Like, were the women working with each other before, or were they kind of just all doing it as in a just how they would in an everyday sort of situation? Well, I guess the the idea of the arts collective, I, I guess, you know, in a way, I kind of imported from the south in a way. I guess um in that in that it was it was it's it's part of our project itself it's sort of how we decided to name uh. ourselves as a collective um uh but I mean people have always women have always you know um passed on skin sewing skills in various different manners and learned from their relatives and you know um worked together worked separately um but the idea of a digital archive was the idea that you know, I mean, elders were quite keen to find ways in which, find new ways in which to train young people in sealskin sewing and working with new technologies as much as possible in order to, you know, harness new technologies to enable the skills to be passed down in any way possible. Um, so, so we had the elders that we were working with were, you know, all seemed very keen Um so the first project we had, um, and we had Groveen from from Norway, Oslo, who was the film, who's doing some of the filming for that, and um, during the first one, and and the third one, and um, she had a big fancy camera, and we had elders who, one elder, Ruth Sangoya, um, decided that she would make a pair of um, kamiks, sealskin kamiks. Another elder, independently, Paumi Komengapik, who's now passed away, decided she would show us how to make mittens. And then a third person, um, Koopa Kippami, um, decided she had a raw seal skin, and she was showing us how to process it and cure it. So we had the three different types of skills. Um, and I think the idea was that that this would that that this wouldn't interrupt the the you know, interpersonal passing on of skills and training, but it would just sort of provide an impetus, right? Um, and what we found since then is is a lot of women who are watching the films will then go and consult with their elders, right? right? It sort of gives people a little a chance to be able to 
see how it's done on the screen at home, possibly rewind or whatever it is, re <laughs> flick back or whatever, rewind, rewind or whatever, um, look back, look back, you know, um, and see the same motion and the same clip like over and over and over and over again, which is something you can't ask an elder to do when they're right. sewing, you know, and you don't, you shouldn't really instruct <laughs> an elder anyways. You should watch, you should learn by watching and, and, uh, and so you try not to be too instructive during the sessions, but then this allows young people to look at the stitch over and over and over again. And the elders are aware of this, and we're working very carefully and very, you know, clearly with the camera in line and stuff. So, so, so yeah. So we had the first project, which was, um, which was done um, a year ago or three years ago, right now, 2015 in February, um, and then we had a second one that. This time was with um, teams of young women videographers uh, who were who had iPod cameras who were going out to film their elders, whoever um, they chose. Um, so we had different pods of different teams of women who were filming different people, and that was that was in the spring of 2016 or s sort of June of 2016. And then we had our third session, which was. Um, um, last June 2017, which was to do with language right. skills and uh, and inventorying old words and things um, to do with sewing. So linguistic terms for different um, sewing techniques and stitches and tucks and patterns and things like that, which we were then um, asking elders about and, and writing them down and practicing them and things like that. So so those are our three so far. But the collective is uh, is always changing, and the membership's always changing as as people have joined and then faded away a little bit, but then come back in. So we've had we have 23 members of the Mac Collective right now, and uh, I think we have 75 master classes wow. which are online. Mhm. Mm On the Vimeo site under Mitimatelik Arnate Mixuptuit Collective. Yes. <laughs> There's a plug. <laughs> and that's public, right? Oh yeah, it's totally public and and um, and available yeah. for download, right? Always have been, yeah. And we also have um, for people who don't have easy access to Vimeo, we have um, uh, Sheila Katzak has sets of hard drives um, that, and we have pen drives in the settlement so that people can um, access them without being online for those who who have um, you know don't have internet allowance yeah. or whatever. So we're trying to circulate them that way as well in the settlement. They're, the clothing that they're making, or the, is it purely for everyday use? Or are some of the women interested in, um, like, a more for the for fashion for sale or for retail? Or or back to uh, again, is it um, more kind of a, like a social experience and knowledge sharing? Well, I, it depends. It kind of depends on each seamstress. Um, Ruth Sangoya was making comics, but I'm actually not 100% sure who they were for, because we weren't right. collecting the object. We weren't collecting the garments, right? We were just asking elders whether they wanted to teach us, you know, um, make make master classes of of them sewing. So so they kind of chose what project they were doing. Um, so, um, Palmi Komengapik was making mittens. She was at the time. She she sadly um, passed away the following year, but um, but she was making mittens for um, 
I think for people who are working for the mines largely okay. and to sell um, and also for her family members. Um, and so the pair of mittens that she made, um, actually Leah Kippamy, who was um, our friend and, and um, um, research associate who was with us, um, bought them for her <laughs> husband. So so those ones were sold, yeah, yeah, because they were just beautiful sealskin mitts, um, and it was his birthday. And um, um, Koopa was making the sealskin to make a pair of chemics for her for her daughter, but that sealskin had to be bleached, and so it was a few months away from actually being ready to be made into a pair of little little girl chemics. Um, but in the second um, the second set of filming that we did in the spring of 2016, um, we had people making, like we had um, uh, Louisa making like mitten uh, zipper pulls, right. you know, little zipper pulls. So, so it wasn't just garments. It was also these little zipper pulls that I think she was planning on, she was selling. So little craft productions as well. Um, Georgina uh, Piotwalik was making um, like jewelry, so little sealskin um, barrettes and things like that. So there was also some some small little crafts that were that we were having master classes and how to make sealskin crafts, little crafts um, from younger women. Mm -hmm. So that was it was a and then uh, someone else was um, there was some more sealskin processing and and uh, just recently um, um, we had. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> um, a woman called Kamunik was uh, um, taught us how to take care of sealskin garments, and this was actually funny because it was in the middle of a of a. We were talking about language and talking about sealskin sewing terms, and and it was just a general discussion. And then she said, you know, and, and she's quite elderly. She. She lives down on the beach in Pond Inlet, and she said, you know what, I, I, I'm actually, I think that young people really have to learn how to take care of their chemics because they're just kicking them off at the door, and then they're, they're, you know, they're not folding them, and they're not dried properly, and they're not stretched properly, and then the chemics are wearing out quickly, so, so stop everything, and this is what I'm going to teach you. So then we held, there was this impromptu master class where she pulled out different chemics and her boot stretcher, and, and it was very precise about this is what I want young people to learn. You know, I'm tired of seeing chemics no. not taken care of properly. So, so it's it's kind of it, it's whatever people want to teach, really. Yeah. You know. Interesting. So it it yeah, it's pretty um it it morphs and changes as the as the time goes on, depending on what the elders want, really. So kind of full and kind of full spectrum of uh, issues and uh, related to related to the sealskin clothing and crafting then too. In terms of, because in term in yeah. care, that's probably that's not something I would have considered. <laughs> not that I have that much relationship with seal skin clothing, but that that's interesting that that the care of it came up as a as someone was interested <laughs> in doing that. Yeah, yeah, I know the the cleaning of them and 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 uh, and there was one set of sessions that's on that's part of the master classes where it was. Um, Jane Singori and her husband was filming her, and um, and and he starts out by by um, being quite vocal about the seal hunt as well, right? We rely on seals. We seals are our life, their subsistence, right? So so sort of a, a a little bit of speaking back to the animal rights activists um, while his wife is then um, while they're filming Jane um, making her very first pair of kami. So it's not just elders as well. 
there's also master classes of young women teaching themselves how to make Chemex by phoning right. their mom and, you know, learning their first pair as well. So you've got women with all working at all different skill levels, which is a great way to learn really cuz if you're watching an elder so they're so they're so yeah. adept and, you know, sewing so well whereas if you're watching a younger person you can actually see it it's quite slow and you can and they correct their mistakes and things like that which is a really good way to learn as well. Besides the Vimeo, you've also taken it out of Poninil and uh, uh, shown shown it at Aberdeen. How did that come about, or shown aspects of it at Aberdeen? Um, I guess that's part of a, a new phase now, where we're trying to promote the channel. Um, it took you know several years of of, uh, of Melissa Costanea from who's based here, who's Romanian um, video editor. Um, it, it took several years to put all these productions together, right? And she, in her own way, is expertly stitching the various segments into these master classes and clipping and trimming and stitching and clipping and trimming and stitching and, you know, um, removing phrases or removing moments or whatever. Um, and uh, and so I, I uh, so we had the Vimeo site and uh, and we wanted to create a series of installations. Um, our final goal is to try to have some of these installations populate some screens up north. Um, but as a sort of a beginning site, we we created an installation for the University of Aberdeen's Arctic Rectors Conference, um, where there were um, rectors from Arctic universities around the world who were all coming to Aberdeen last August 2017. So um, so Sheila Katzak in Pond and, and Melissa and myself put together two compilations um, that were based both on some of the language work, but also on clips from all of our different sessions up to that date. So one is called Uiguaktuk, uh, which is a word for sort of a hidden reinforcement stitch. And uh, and that's a, an eight-minute video that, that has words, Inuktitut words and concepts, and then clips which are related to them um, of the various different seamstresses teaching because it's more than just skills, right? It's it's concepts, it's ways of thinking yeah. about things, right? And and um, it's ways of understanding animals and ways of understanding human relationships and ways of understanding learning. And um, so the hidden stitch Uiguaktuk is the was the shorter one. So that played in this screen at the University of Aberdeen's main library foyer, which is this enormous screen. I don't know, huge, several like two stories high. Um, it can't be. Uh, it it can't played be for missed. well ten days. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, it's enormous. Yeah, there's pictures on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, so we have pictures of it. Um, so that that played for ten days straight in a loop, which was great. And and then it played on a smaller screen for about four or five months. And then in the back area of that of that sort of exhibition space, there was a a smaller screen, but still pretty large, that was playing Irnivik, uh, um, which means airing frame. So that's another. So they're kind of Sheila and um, and Sheila and I mostly figured out these titles, which were supposed to have double meanings, right? Um, so we have, and that's a 52-minute series of different clips, sort of the best of our master classes, or or some of the more poignant moments from our master classes. Um, and then we have another installation which hasn't been aired yet, um, called Ananavut Kissingik, which is um, six hours of sort of slow TV of three different master seamstresses from 2015 sewing the kamiks, the mittens, and the processing. 
but we haven't we we're still trying to find a place our hopes are now that they've aired once the, the first set um that the next place will be somewhere in the north which is what I, I i said when i was talking to the cbc north is that we just have to find a screen um and uh so sheila that i asked around in pond inlet and we can't seem to locate a screen that we could just have the videos aired on a loop, um, but we have to keep on trying. But Sheila was down in Iqaluit before Christmas having a baby, and she she um, walked around trying to find different screens, the screen at the airport, the screen at the tourist center, or the screen at the hospital. So our hopes are to, um, to have the slow TV in the hospital um, maternity day clinic waiting room is our hopes, but we're still working on that. So, um, but we, 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 envisage you know there's so much tv up north right and so we're hoping that these films can somehow populate those spaces and we can get a couple more screens in public venues and 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 um especially with the with the um Ananabuk Kisingik, the the six hours of of sort of slow tv um we thought that in a waiting room space or in a in a place where people are sort of milling about having that tempo right um might be something that that um, that would would do a lot of things at the same time, both be a, a source of um, interest and entertainment, but also allowing people to kind of understand the tempo and the nuances of of how skin sewing works. So, um, and provide a bit of a cathartic element to it. Um, but we'll we still are we're still trying to figure it out. But our ideas are to have it both. Both online and and um, you know through Vimeo or or through an online space and then an offline space, right through these various different exhibitions. Mm -hmm. um, we also have an idea that we're hoping to do, which is to have um, um, to provide some sort of package for schools, like in a either in a hard drive or on screens or something like that, like an educational package. But it's we're full of hopes. We just need uh, <laughs> to find <laughs> to you know to find a screen. find a way to do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should just get a projector and just project it on the side of a building. Just do it kind of do it do it rebel style. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. from the back of a car. <laughs> um I I have a few questions uh, off of what you've said. So and they they kind of will go in different directions. So I'll uh the first one uh will follow directly on what on what we've just been talking about how is in terms of in terms of reception when the videos were screened at Aberdeen or if or if and when you've screened them publicly to to an audience that isn't uh from Pond Inlet or in in a in the context of Pond Inlet what is has there been a like what has been the reception from the audience or if they're if you're aware of it because I guess the library it's not like they're filling out uh review cards or anything but um well i we i mean i think people were absolutely fascinated really um that's what i heard from colleagues and friends who'd been in the library foyer that they they'd um both at the you know at i i think i mean they're, they're beautiful images right and they're really rich images but also at a i think a better understanding of the ways in which um you know seal hunting, the seal harvesting, the, the industry expands beyond the actual moment of the hunt, right? Like, I, I think that um, 
Westerners or Southerners have this idea of, well, you would know this through your podcast, right? But the idea of the hunt being that just yeah. that moment, right? Um, but the hunt is so much more than that, right? It's it's about it's about the processing of the animals. It's about making the clothing. It's about social relationships, which all which you know encapsulate the entire hunt. So, I I got the impression just from some of the people who I'd spoken about that this made them think a little bit differently about the ways in which seal hunting is is um, regenerative at a community level as well. Um, that was from people in Aberdeen, you know, and, and mostly just, you know, really wowed by the, by the artistry of the women and the skills and, you know, the concentration and the focus and the light and, you know, all of those sorts of things and the beauty of the garments. And, um, but we also did a, um, uh, workshop in, um, Newfoundland for, as part of the Inuit studies conference in September, 2017. So we had, um, Sarah Maya and, and, uh, and Regli Utava and Sheila Katzak and I were um, in a venue in St. John's for an evening, and and those guys were processing the skins, and I was doing sort of a um, feedback forms and you know asking people what they thought and and that sort of thing, and uh, and it was a it was a there was a sort of a I think it brought back with a lot of the women, especially because they were invited to come help um, cure the like scrape the seal skin and and uh, regularly was sewing and ceramic was sewing and they were showing people what they were doing and things and I think it from the feedback that I got and what was written on the forums it uh, it I think it brought back in a lot of women um, you know the relationship between women as well right and and they remembered being taught how to sew whether it's fabrics or garments or you know skins or whatever they remembered being taught by their grandmothers and their mothers how to make things and women's domestic arts and and so i think it's that there's also that element of sort of um nurturance between women and skills and 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 you know um i i guess a aesthetic appreciation of something that's 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 you know a cross-cultural product right so i i I think that there there are some um moments of really um you know there there's it's 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 very different um but in some moments there's these moments of sameness between individuals right these these moments of coming together um from women's craftsmen from different cultures so we had women who had who had well it, it was in Newfoundland so there were people who who were lamenting the loss of the sealing industry in Newfoundland to a certain extent um who were there remembering their grandmothers working with seal skins as well and 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 so it was a it was a so we've had a, a you know extremely good reception so far from our films in the two places um outside of Inuit territories that they've been shown do you have any other future research plans Con uh, continuing to work in the arctic i suppose well, I, I yeah I I love the Arctic and and I I hope to continue to work there. Um, I I think it's really difficult to make research plans until you know what type of research people want done. You know, so when you work in small communities, it's it's um I think, I mean it's one thing because of course we are funding dependent. Um, you know we need funding to be able to do research, but but at the same time you really have to follow the leads of people in the community. So so even with the with the um, Mitch funded work that we're doing we've we've been so lucky that it's been flexible enough that that um um some of the local initiatives we've been able to to run with right to do with language for example or or um you know some of the different things that we've filmed but 
Um, I think that goes for small projects, right? Allowing for a degree of flexibility in terms of um, project planning, right? Like collaborative planning of research. Um, and then also for careers more generally, right? So you just, you have to sort of think more collaboratively about what what will be useful and you don't really know, you know, until it happens. So so uh, there's various different ways in which I could go. It kind of depends on what, what people want to work on with me, right? Um, collaborative methodologies requires that you, as much as possible, um, involve, not, it's not even me involving people, it's, it's working with people on creating projects. So, so that's how this one came about in terms of the whole, um, this, this whole Mitch project or, you know, has, has largely been, I, I, I would think 50% at least Sandra Katzak, right? Um, who's been directing it from Pond Inlet and deciding what's doable and what isn't and, and you know, who might be um, a, a good person to work with and, and, and what we might focus on and things like that. So, so I guess I'll just, in terms of my career, I don't really know where I'm going exactly, but, but uh, <laughs> hopefully I'll, I'll keep on working in the North. And, and uh, um, I, I could see our films working in, in a hospital setting. I could see um, our films working in an educational setting. Um, um, I'm, I'm that, so that's all I can say right now, because it really depends on what people want done and what I can help with more locally.